0: Welcome to Mission 150, the podcast that tells stories from 150 years of Seventh-day Adventist mission to the world. To find out more about the mission of the Adventist Church today, go to AdventistMission.org. That's AdventistMission.org. We're glad that you've joined us today. I'm Sam Nevis. And I'm David Trim. Today we're delighted to have with us Dr. Oscar Osindo, who is the Director of the Institute of World Mission the body that is responsible for training those who the Seventh-day Adventist Church sends as missionaries. Oscar, welcome to Mission 150.
1: Thank you. Oscar, you work in the United States today, here in the General Conference, in Silver Spring, Maryland. Yes. But you weren't born here, were you? No. Tell us about
2: your upbringing. I am a native of Kenya in East Africa. I was born and raised up in Kenya. Tell us where, tell us a bit about your childhood. Yeah, yeah I, I was raised up in the city of Mombasa, which is on the east coast of Kenya. On the Indian Ocean? The Indian Ocean. And were you raised a Seventh-day Adventist? I was not raised a Seventh-day Adventist. I came to faith in the Adventist church in my teen years, late teen years, when I was uh, 18 years of age. And how did that happen? Um, I was in college at the time pursuing uh, a career in electrical engineering. Right. And then some Mm -hmm. young people came around to do programs at this college, at the Railway Training Institute in Nairobi. Ah, that is when uh, I had this message and I decided to follow the Lord as understood by Seventh-day Adventists. Mm. Brilliant. How did you come to enter ministry? So when I finished my course, I started to work for the Kenya Railways. And then one day, some two gentlemen from the local conference, Central Kenya Conference, approached me, the president of the conference Mm. and his youth director. Right. They approached me with my friend. There's an, I have another close friend. He's now a senior pastor in the South England Conference. So then- the, who was that? Dr. Michael Mbui. Well, I know him well. You know yes. him well, yes. yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. I, and he did a presentation the other day at- uh, That's right, annual council. Uh, at I saw Samuel him. Annual council, yes. It's a good friend. Yes. That man, we were baptized together the same day.
0: Uh-huh.
2: and we hung together. And so the day that we were approached by these two gentlemen, pastors from the conference, and they said, young people, we sense you have a calling to ministry. <laughs> this is the president and the youth director. The youth director, yeah. And the, the youth director today is the president of the division. Oh, it's <laughs> Dr. Ruguri. <laughs> Dr. Ruguri. And then they said, you have a, we sense you have a calling to the gospel ministry. Did you sense you had a calling, or was it only then you had a? No, no, no. no. They, they said. I know, but, but okay. did you sense it as well, or? We, we, we were we were active young people engaged in Bible studies, church planting, besides our work, and actively serving the Lord. That's what we were doing. Never mind the terms whether you call it a calling, but we answered God's call to serve Him. And so when they came and they said, "We sense you have a calling." Said, "Yeah, sure. So, what about it?" They said, "We, we bring to you these from the Lord that you join full-time ministry." And we said, "No, but we just finished a four. We just finished a course of study, and we are comfortably working, and we are enjoying what we are doing. We are fine. We'll continue working as lay people." And they said, <laughs> "Think about it." So it was really a battle, you know we wrestled with ourselves and wrestled with ourselves. And, and eventually we said, yes, we, the Lord has called us what we are doing. And now the Lord wants us into full-time ministry. And that is how I ended up in uh, the full-time gospel ministry, uh, David.
0: And initially in Kenya, in your home, in in, in, in my home country. So tell us about, give us a sense of what Kenya is like? Is it a homogeneous society or is it diverse?
1: Oh. That's a good question because when we talk about any African country, many people have the idea that, well, it's in Africa. It's all the same. As if Africa is one country. (laughs) (laughs) No, there are plenty of differences (laughs) from country to country. But within
2: countries, there are differences too. Oh yeah, Kenya is diverse. You have Africans and you have Europeans and you have Asians. Mm. But even when you look at the, the indigenous African people, again, you have you have different ethnicities. We have uh, 42, 43 or so. 43? People, people groups, distinct languages, customs, and manners. Mm. And if you want to put them into larger groupings, you can say we have Bantus, we have Kushites, we have uh, Semites, uh, we have uh, Nilots and uh, uh, Nilo-Hamites. You can. I have group- no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> 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 but there's, that's a good half dozen. Just, by, just. Yeah, with yeah, those. yeah. So just, to, yeah, just it, to let you know. Are that the Masai in one of those? Yes, groups? the Maasai is a, the Masai is a, a Nilo-Hamites. Okay. Right. In, in that larger grouping. Right. Yes. So. And religiously, is it diverse or is it, is it mostly? And, and religiously, David and Sam, it's diverse, because you have uh, Christians. Christians are the majority, with all the many. Christians are the majority. The majority. So that's
0: the result of missionary work over the last hundred and fifty years. Yes, million.
2: that that is the result of missionary work. Protestants or Catholics? Pro- Protestants and Catholics.
1: Okay, both. Yeah,
2: both. And Adventists also a good number. Mm. Yes.
0: Yeah. So there's. But there's also presumably African traditional religions. African other?
2: traditional religions, you have Hindu. Hindus. Hindus, yes, we have uh, about four four million are uh, Hindus. Really? Yeah, that's presumably yeah. mostly around Mombasa on uh, the Mombasa, coast. Nairobi, uh, Kisumu, and Nakuru, and then of also other smaller towns as well. Right, they're there. What other religious groups? Yeah, the religious groups are Muslim. Islam is a very active minority. Uh And of course, they occupy certain areas like the northern part of Kenya. Most of the uh, the Kushitic people, Kushites, are Muslims. And also, um, you know, when we say the Semites, the Arabs, we have Arabs on the East Coast and the Swahili people uh, and such groups that are associated with them. These are Muslims.
1: You spent quite some time working with Muslims.
2: Yes. How did that start? Uh, I was, uh, first of all, I mean, having been a person that came from uh, from the coast, which is predominantly Islam, meaning I grew up with Muslims, and so I knew a little bit about Muslims and their their lives. But that was not the calling for me. But the calling for me was when I was a pastor in Nairobi, in a part of Nairobi known as Isli, mm. uh, which is inhabited by Somali people. Ah, from the north. From the north, this is like their, their city, their place. And so I was a pastor there. And one day while in my church, some men came to my church to confront me Really, and ask me questions, doctrinal questions, and challenge huh. me that the Bible I was holding was actually corrupted and was not the Word of God. Goodness, and they also and say, they came into your church. To they do came this? to my church. Wow, confront me and show me how wrong I am. <laughs> Jesus never died for our sins, and uh, I had never heard of such you know, staff, my theological training, my ministerial training, never prepared me for such a thing. Mm. And so that then, I started on a journey to respond. And these were Muslims? Yes, these are Muslims, and we held a huge debate, attended by thousands, for me to respond in the public arena I love about this. my beliefs. Yes, I love this. <laughs> you love this, Sam. Huh? It's love scary. I'm it's sure scary. It's it scary. Yes. <laughs> so that's how then my journey started off with just like that. And so you felt a calling to do more ministry uh, for I, I I felt. By the way, when how did it go? You know. By the way, you know, when <laughs> when this came around, <laughs> I'll come to you, Sam. When this came around, I was planning to go to Newbold. I had an admission to go for pastoral ministry at Newbold College. This is our Adventist College in England. Yeah, yeah, that was around 19... Where Sam
0: and I were also students. Yeah, (laughs) 1993.
2: And then when this uh, call, uh, this initiative came, even my church elder said to me, Pastor, this thing is exciting. Postpone, you're going, let's pursue it. And so we ended up I Like your elder. Huh? I like your elders. Yeah, you like that. <laughs> and so so we did the debate, and it's not a good way to witness, though. I mean, I can tell you now, it's not it's not the best way. It's exciting, but, but, it's, it's, not exciting, best, but it's not the best way. It's exciting, but it's not the best. But it, you know, uh, brothers, even in our own foolishness and mistakes, the Lord works through, mm. and there are people who came to faith, who are still in the faith, and some of them are pastors now, senior pastors from a Muslim background and serving. That's that's a great story. From those debates. Yeah.
0: Now, your journey from Kenya to the United States wasn't a direct one. Where did you go from Kenya and to what position? And tell us how you came to make that transition.
2: Okay, remember I had, first of all, I had uh, given up on now going for my further studies to do my masters, I, right. you know, just following, you know, work among Muslims, it had expanded. You know, all over Kenya, and we had gone to Tanzania, uh-huh. start ministries there. That's when I met, for the first time, I met uh, Pastor Geoffrey Mbwana, uh, then we Who's went- now a vice we president, president of the church. We, yes. we went to Uganda as well, opened up, so we expanded. And then we also made a breakthrough within the northern part of Kenya. And so in the year 2000, uh, during the um, general conference session, uh, the General Conference invited me to to attend International Council on Adventist Muslim relations uh, uh, a pre, one of the pre-meetings before the the session. Mm. And so while at that meeting and I made a presentation, somebody from Newbold College, a representative who was in that conference, calibros Sado, Dr. Calbro Sado. Yes. You, you are, Our, he was a colleague of mine. Yes, he was yes. a colleague of yours, I'm, Yes, I'm, I'm sure. So he approached me and said, Oscar, we have a program. We just started a program at Newbold College. It needs people like you with a practical experience to come and be part of the program. But we want you to come into the program as a student, but with a view of looking at the program and then after that, please improve it. Hmm. So that's how I ended up being a student at Newbold but also going through the program so that I can make it improve and make it better. And uh, so that's how I ended up also teaching part-time for Newbold, and we were with Velda Cox. uh, Yes. who was in charge of the program at the time. And that's where I I saw you there. That's where we
0: first met off. Yeah, that's where I saw you, man. Because I was teaching at Newbold as well. Yes, you you were
2: teaching there, and I remember when you defended, the day you defended successfully your PhD, and uh, Dr. Baldam said, uh, Mr. David Trim is now Dr. Trim, <laughs> when you see him, congratulate him. <laughs> that was 2001, right? Uh, 2003. 2003,
0: 2003 yes. yes, yes, yes. Well, that's a great story. Yeah, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't know that he did that. So that's a nice <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. story to, yeah. to hear. <laughs> but then once you finished at Newbold, so, you actually came to start working for the church in Britain. Isn't that right?
2: Yeah. So, so I started to work for the church in Britain in 2002. A South England conference uh, you know, through um, um, Pastor Don McFarlane, right. um, invited me to spearhead to start a ministry among Muslims in London. Hmm. So I was doing half time for South England conference and half time for Newbold College. Right. So you had
0: now problem. become a missionary to Britain in I effect. I had become You've a missionary.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and how but, did that go? I tell you it went well in my view. I learned a lot, and that was like you know my first really um no no part of my cross-cultural experience outside uh, um, Kenya, because you know living in Kenya itself, you are, you are going back and forth between uh, and across many cultures, but you know living in Britain, that was another experience as well. Did you experience culture shock? Yeah, of course. Of course I experienced culture shock because as much as uh, you know Kenya or Africa we are like uh, diverse but there are certain things that you know like for example uh, time see like today I was here much earlier you know in time I learned this thing you know there yes. keep keep time. So so yes, so that the, the, the a, a lot of many other things you know um, the, the English people. Right. Um, are you English? I'm British, yes. yeah, yeah, you are British, yes, you know, you know, you, you are different from, from us. <laughs> yeah. Even the way that you know you speak English is your language. I'm, I'm not, so my accent is different, it's funny, and not, so trying to
1: not funny. <laughs> Some parallels here. Right about the same time, yeah, Pastor Don McFarlane, the president of the South yeah. England Conference, yeah. Yeah. yeah, was calling me. Yeah. To sponsor my masters at Newbold, I had I was about to finish in Brazil. Yeah, and so I arrived at Newbold College in 2004 September. Yeah, Yeah. so same same person. Great leader. Great leader. Visionary. Absolutely. Don McFarlane. Don McFarlane. Yeah. Visionary leader. He has a he had a a unique perspective that I think is is very interesting about mission. Incidentally, he believes that when you have um, many immigrants who are themselves Seventh-day Adventists, yeah, yeah. the first generation should be in a church by themselves with a good pastor from their territory yeah. where their transition to this new culture mm. is done slowly. Yes. In lieu of that, what happens is the immigrants who come, yeah. they all move to the local churches. Yeah. And if there isn't this special space for them, they transform the local churches. Yeah. And that transformation is is not necessarily helpful. Yeah. Missiologically, the, the, yeah. Missiologically to the yeah. people that are there. Yeah. Yes. And he was, as far as I can tell, one of our last leaders who had this driving vision to make sure that each community um, had great pastors yeah. and leaders yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that they could do the work among the same yeah, people groups yeah. who lived in London and yeah, who lived in right. those large cities. I always thought there was a very interesting thing. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Well noted. So he did that to you. Yeah, yeah. And at first he wanted to do that to me, prepare me at Newbold to be a pastor of the Portuguese churches. But because I spoke English, having studied there from my teenage years, I, he then assigned me to English speaking churches, not the Portuguese ones. But anyway, that was yeah, the division yeah, 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 yeah. at the
2: time. Right, yeah. Oscar, I think you served four years in the South England Conference. Is yes, that right? Yes, I, I did. Yeah, I did around uh, four years
0: up to right. And then in 2006, you became associate director of the General Conference Global Center for Adventist-Muslim Relations,
2: and you had to move to Cyprus, right? Yes, we, we we did. I did move to Cyprus. I was called in 2005, towards the end of 2005. Uh, But then, of course, you cannot just leave teaching and just pack up and go. You have to finish with the students' assignments. And so I had to, you know, complete that. And then January 1, 2006, I was ready to start with the uh, GCMR.
0: What did your job involve as being an associate director of the Adventist Muslim Relations Centre?
2: Yeah, yeah. My job was to, and of course, the job of the center directors and the associates, and I was one of those, is to help with the divisions and the unions, in um, in uh, working among Muslims, relating with Muslims, understanding Islam, disciple discipling uh, Muslim people that um, you know in Jesus Christ. So that was our that was our work, right. Yeah.
0: And you had to travel widely for that then because yeah. you say you were working with divisions and unions. Yeah, yeah. So you weren't you were based in Cyprus we but ba- you didn't stay there?
2: We were based in Cyprus, but my work was global. Right. It wasn't local. So I was in and out of the country.
0: Right. Yeah. So by around 2013, Oscar, you had lived in three different countries. You'd actually worked in quite a number of yeah. countries. Yeah. How did you come to make the next big, big transition in your ministry, which was from Adventist Muslim relations to the Institute of World Mission, or IWM, as we tend to call it in this yeah, building.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, so two thousand and nine, uh, David, I, um, AUA, the Adventist University of Africa. Yes, in Kenya. Uh, in Kenya, started a program, um, a master's program in missiology with emphasis on Islam. So, so I relocated from Cyprus to Nairobi at AUA to help with the development, the curriculum development of this program, uh, but at the same time also working for, for GCMR. So I was like doing two jobs. Right. I ended up being the program director, the master's program director, and as well as doing, um, serving the world church up to 2013. In 2012, 2012 December, we were in Cambodia for the center directors' meetings an annual event. Right. Uh, this year, 2023, we are going to India and Calcutta. Yes, and I'll be there. You'll be there as well. Yeah. So while there, uh, my f- colleague, my friend Cheryl Doss, who was the then the director, director of the, of the, institute, the institute, yes came around like a joke, I mean, I was having breakfast and she came and we had breakfast with her and she said, Oscar, would you mind um, working for the institute? <laughs> I said, Cheryl, I said, what a joke this morning. You know me, my whole mind, my whole thinking, I think Islam, I think Muslim ministry. I love what I'm doing. I said, ah, but, yeah, but you, you, you'll still enrich the institute with that. Jeez. I said, ah, well, okay, I think about it, then went back home and, you know, had a conversation with my wife. How well did you know Cheryl Doss at that time? We were part of the larger, you know, mission or missiologists, you know, within the church. So, right. so on that, we had interaction from time uh, to time. Right. So yeah. she... Yeah, yeah. He, no, no, not like... Yeah, you have professional association. Right, yeah. right. right. Yeah. So here you've been hit with this surprising
0: yeah. new development. You've been asked yeah. to move yeah. from Adventist Muslim relations to yeah. IWA. Yeah. And how long did it take you to make your mind up?
2: It took me a couple of uh, weeks, I don't know, maybe a few months to make up my mind. And then in 2013, I said, yeah, sure, we are going to move. But also, again, I was teaching. And directing the master's program in missiology at AUW, So I cannot just wake up and leave. No. So I had to continue to, to do my teaching until uh, January 1, 2014. That's when officially I transited from, from, the Muslim, from GCMR to the Institute of World Mission. And how many years were you an associate director
0: of IWM?
1: Seven years. Or Seven so. years. Yeah. Seven years. What's interesting yeah. is you became the first um, director of the institute who is a non-Westerner, let's say. Yeah. Um,
2: what impact do you think that is having in the institute? You know what? I'll 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 go back to David. I had David make a comment. Um, I don't remember which forum that was. Maybe within our own mission family, and 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 David said and he's a historian, so he marks dates and events. (laughs) And David said, that marks the the appointment of Oscar um, coming from the traditional uh, mission field, field, where we receive missionaries to being director of the institute, that marks the official shift Mm. of, uh, how did you say, David, of, uh, you know that the church has yes the church it was a significant transition it's a, it's a significant transition from the from the global north to the global yes. south
0: yes previously all the training yeah. was done by
2: westerners yeah. by people yeah.
0: from america yeah. or europe yeah. and now suddenly in, instead the people who used to be the mission recipients yeah. are now the people who are in charge of the mission training yeah so it That's was a the,
1: significant date the thing i appreciate about david is that if you hang around with him yeah you see history happening, and he points out, this is history happening (laughs) now. Yeah, so
2: So anyway, so yeah, but then when I joined the institute, as well again, I was the first person of uh, probably color, black, you know. Yes. uh, Joining the institute, and I added value. I added value in the way that we do things, and I was able to explain some things from my Western uh, brothers and sisters that, as much as we say these, but I think this is the reality. Mm. This is how we understand. And, and, and that very useful to missionaries as we train them to go to these places because I come from these places. I know what uh, people think, right. I have a wild view. So that was very useful. Right. For example, David, we, the evaluations, there was something in the evaluations that used to say, uh, did, did, did the presenter make eye contact? And so, so then people say ah, maybe good eye contact or poor eye contact. Mm. I said to my, my friends, you know, we come from societies whereby <laughs> making eye contact <laughs> is rude. It's very bad. <laughs> it's, it's not something that is not even respectful. Yeah. So if you're asking for this kind of evaluation, uh, I could probably end up poorly because I, I'm <laughs> learning. <laughs>
1: oh, oh, yeah, so. So so I, I was the pastor of Wimbledon International. Yes, yes, Seventh-day Adventist yes. church in London. And we had 56 nationalities. And many of them were nationalities where that is the case, yeah. were cultures yeah, where if yeah. you look somebody in the yeah, eye, yeah. that is a sense of you consider yourself to be the same level of authority yeah, as them, yeah, yeah. if not higher, because yeah. you're looking yes, them in the eye. confrontational. You know? Yeah, yeah, no. So we had to help our young people to deal with authorities in England in a different way to which they had been taught. Yeah. So when you talk to a policeman yeah. in England, yeah. do not yeah. let your eyes gaze everywhere. Look squarely in the yeah, eye and right. tell them. Yeah. <laughs> or well, they'll think you're shifty. They're shifty, yeah. Yeah. you know, there's something wrong here. <laughs> yes. So I, I as you started to describe it, I remember yeah. that that nuance. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah.
0: so, Oscar, what is it Mission the Institute of World Mission does? I know that you have three mission, or maybe
2: more than three mission institutes a year. Yes. What does a mission institute do? Yeah, a mission institute does um, a range of things. Let me say that, first of all, on the overall, the mission institute cultivates the mission vision. We cultivate mission vision for the church. We prepare cross-cultural workers for the church, and we nurture missionary witness on the overall. But now, looking uh, slightly deeper, you know, we do missionary training and care. We have institutes that we do for missionaries, and we continue also to care for them all right when they are in field. And when they return, we also hold re entries, what we call re entries, so that. And when people have been away for five, ten years, whatever, yeah, it's a big transition. When, when they come back, it's a big transition again. Yeah. It's their country, but things have changed. Yes. and so we hold a one-week uh, debriefing uh, for them and the, and their the children as well. Besides just you know doing that, we also you know engage in research and material development. Uh, by the way, we are preparing a, a, an LNG white compilation as part of a contribution to the 150 years. Uh, oh yeah, mission, of, of, next year. Of next what, year. Which yeah. is the 150 in our yes. name. We've been able to you know, get quotations from Ellen White, uh, what she says about cross-cultural mission service, uh-huh. and good. even her own experience as a missionary. Right. Two years in Europe and nine years in Australia. In Australia. Yeah, yeah so we have gone through all those stuff and we're coming up with a compilation right now. As I talk, we have already submitted the manuscript to the E.G. White Estate Board. Actually, they are meeting today to look at the manuscript right. so they can read, and we ready to do that. That's so, an example.
0: So, you've got the mission institutes where you actually do, as it were, the hands-on training. But then you've got yeah. the rest of the year you're engaged in in generating
2: resources for yeah, mission. Yeah, yeah, resources for mission. We have um, a huge resource online on on our website, podcasts and. Um, uh, live webinars, we do that, and mm. other resources. And then we also empower other Seventh day Adventist ent- entities, you know, churches, if we have time and churches need us, we go help them. Um, in institutions, schools, um, we do that as well. Uh, just recently, we came from Norway. Right. Tell North us about our, that. We came from Northern Norway uh, Conference. Uh, that is a real post-Christian window. Mm. Mm. There's a lot that needs to be done. And what did you do in in Norway? We we went to prepare the ground, and we are uh, set for a long-term um, a mission initiative with Northern Norway. Uh-huh. Long term, so we went there to prepare the ground, put certain plants in place. Just the other day. I had a meeting with the president of the union and my team in our office here at the GC building, and and looking at the way the way forward. So so we do that as well. We are involved in field work.
0: But but in a mission institute, how long does a mission institute last? The mission institute lasts
2: for three weeks.
0: And is that long enough for meaningful training to take place?
2: We we believe so that that is a long enough for meaningful change to take place because at the Institute, we are not teaching, we're not doing a Bible study. We're not teaching right. doctrine. We are simply um, uh, providing missionaries with a neutral language in which to, to live abroad as they adjust to a, new, to a new culture. And to teach them cultural competencies. C- cultural competence. By the way, it, when the Mission Institute started in 1966, used to be six weeks yes. of training. And that went, and then all this is long, and then uh, came to three weeks, and then two weeks at one point. Oh no, this is too short, and then also three weeks. Would you like to see it go back to six weeks? Six weeks is rather is rather long. I think we are doing well with three weeks. Right. Yeah. Right. We're doing well. Tell
1: me about the reaction. In in the one that I went to, yes, people loved it. My family loved it. It was transformational for us. Yeah. Some people at the time. Um, maybe because of the name, they thought they would learn the doctrines and the Bible studies yeah. and, and how to do yeah. mission and, yeah. and how to lead people to baptisms and so on, which am I right in assuming that the institute assumes that those are skills that you have in your own culture? Exactly. And the Institute will expose you to the worldview differences yes, that exist yeah, in the yeah, world culture. and more of the culture and anthropological yeah. you know, process that you need to understand in yeah. order to do what you already know how to do in your own culture, yeah. how to translate that to another culture. Yes, And some people have the wrong idea and it takes about a week, um, very few actually, in my it was two families, but then they got it. And when they got it, it was wonderful.
2: Yeah. What's the reaction of people in this journey? You know, you captured it very well. This is what we, this is what we hear all the time. I, we look through the evaluations. We have not seen something negative like, oh, I didn't like it, or this was a waste of my time. There is a lot of appreciation uh, from adults, from their children, yes. about having those uh, three weeks at the Institute. Right. A lot of appreciation. How do
1: missionaries feel about the training that they've gone through?
2: because obviously you keep in touch with them. How do they describe afterwards? Just speaking like one, one comment here from 2008, that's long time ago, just 2000 at Andrews University Institute, 2008, IWM provided an understanding of cultural differences and the need to present the gospel in a cultural concept also helped to understand our roles as servant missionary like christ who lived among us Mm. the program was professional well organized and fun a very useful program thanks is that kind of typical
0: of the responses this is typical
2: this is typical
0: and how does it work with you providing because i know that you also provide some kind of a degree of missionary care at at, remotely but you you keep in touch with missionaries and try to support them when they're actually in the field. How does that work?
2: First of all, we provide online resources. Because sometimes people will say, yeah, uh, we need a bit of refresher, we need a resource that we can lay our hands on. And so we have provided those resources, they are available to them. Because at the Institute, sometimes we are fast, we are covering things in a faster way, and we are covering a lot of stuff. But if somebody wants to follow up and understand more, they can go to a podcast, they can go to a webinar, and they can find more. Secondly, also, we we are the people that spend a whole three weeks with missionaries at Mission Institute. That's that's a quality time we have with them. So they know us and we know them. And they trust you. They trust us. We know know who they are. We know their children. And so when they have issues or they need help, we become the first people they think of mm. and they easily interact with us. I mean, you know what? They don't see us as like a yeah, general conference, like because yeah. you know, we, we play a lot of games with them. That's know, that only form. on the first five days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After that, After, yeah. So, so it's easy for them to approach <laughs> us. We receive a lot of calls, mm. um, you know, messages. I have this, I have this question, I have that, I need this help. And and we help where we can, and sometimes we refer them to IPRF It is if it is administrative um, help they need, or if we realize they need uh, the help of a psychologist, then right. we, yeah, we bring in the psychologist. You're
0: able to do that? We're
2: able to do that. Oscar, what is your vision for the Institute of World Mission? Besides uh, what we have said that we offer and we do, right now we know the World Church is Talking about missionary focus. Mm-hmm. And as we, as we send our missionaries out in different cultural contexts, survey, missiological issues arise. And so, my dream is that we need to be on the cutting edge of mission research mm. and education so that we are able to to deal and help, you know, the world church and missionaries with these issues that arise from the mission field. Uh, also, another um, we should dream of of buying of ours is that we need to be active in helping our churches, particularly, and we're talking about the multicultural churches in our cities. Uh-huh. They need a lot of help. And uh, we have been able to interact with some and help and we feel that we need to do more even to produce the resources that right. can help our, you know, grow our multicultural churches. Right. Yeah.
0: Oscar, it's been a wonderful conversation, but we have to draw this episode to a close. Thank you. Dr. Oscar Osindo, Director of the Institute of World Mission, thank you very much for thank being
1: you. with us. Thank you. And thank you for joining another episode of Mission 150. We hope that you are really enjoying these uh, explorations of what Adventist mission means, and the history of it. Please keep watching on AdventistReview.tv, on the Seventh-day Adventist Church's YouTube channel, or listening on your favorite podcast platform. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. If you want to know more about Adventist missionary work and missionaries today, go to AdventistMission.org. If you want to find mission opportunities, go to VividFaith.com. We'll be back next week with more on the inspiring history of Adventist Mission around the world.